Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast. I'm Bob Olaszewski, your co-host. And I'm Kelsey Olaszewski, the host of the Talking Story Podcast. And we're so glad you're here with us. Another Monday, Dad. Another Monday. And a really cool podcast. Um, I had this idea to invite uh, some friends of mine that I actually met uh, for the first time in Barbados. It goes back to the 90s. I can't remember the exact year um, where my mom, Kelsey, your grandma, uh, was serving as a short-term missionary. And when I say short-term missionary, I don't mean she was down there for four days or a week or two weeks. I mean, she was down there for six months. And she did several of these type uh, mission trips. This one happened to be in Barbados. And uh, while she was down there, she happened to mention to the missionaries, uh, Kevin and Sue Prince, that her son worked to focus on the family and he did a media discernment seminar and they extended an invitation and I flew down and uh, what a wonderful couple, what wonderful people. I just, it's just such fond memories, Kelsey, of just, of just this whole time. Well, since that time and during that time, it's, the, it's their story to get there and then the story after. And it's the story after, especially in this time of 2021 when we're recording and we're talking about picking up the pieces. There's several people that I know that just have testimonies that just kind of lend toward that theme. And Kevin and Susan Prince, as you can tell, uh, definitely do. Uh, and they have a lot to say about picking up the pieces. Yeah, I think uh, for those who have dealt with suffering, hard things, pain, loss. Again, we keep saying that 2020 was that year for many, if not all of us. Um, That's kind of what we're diving into now in this part of the series of picking up the pieces of what to do. What do we do when there's great suffering? What do we do when there's pain and loss? And without giving away the story, which you're good at sometimes, Uh um, and I'm good at too, because we get really excited. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hard. It's hard for me not to say it, but it's just, if you're a listener or know someone who's gone through some really, really difficult times, I think this podcast is going to help us all through, yeah, how do we how do we get through these tough t- things? And they're going to share the tough things that they've gone through and stuff that you didn't even know of. Yes, yeah, I knew some, but you can tell as you listen through this interview that there are times I say, oh. I didn't know that, or hmm, which is my way of saying that's brand new to me. And uh, but a very impressive couple. I think you're going to be. Um, I think I think you're going to be very encouraged. Whether like Kelsey, you've gone through a major trauma and trial in the last couple years, or whether it's been. We all go through tough times. I mean, there's just no doubt. So just think about it for the if you're going through it right now. Uh, this should be a help. If not, we all go through it eventually. Again, it's a repetitive cycle. It does happen. And then it's just some encouraging things to help us go through uh, with a lot more 
uh, positivity and victory on the other side. I'm going to ask you a quick question. We didn't prep at all for this, but you said like Kelsey and I'm like, Hey now, but do you off the top of your head again, no prep. Do you remember one of like the hardest experiences you've ever had to go through? Yeah. And, uh, and it, 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 involved a, a work situation that I, I'd rather not unpack on the air. But when I think about one of the toughest uh, things, um, it, it, it involved a, a work situation years ago. And uh, it, it just, um, it, it was very unfair, I'll put it this way. Uh, and yet it's one of those things that looking back, Absolutely, it not only had silver lining all the way around it. While I was going through it, I couldn't even imagine how that would be true. But uh, shortly thereafter, and certainly all these years later, looking back, I actually look back to that very tough experience on on a job situation is one of the best things that that probably happened to me. Hmm, that's interesting. I just, I guess, I've never asked you that. It's interesting, Dad. I'm again, I'm excited for these folks to be sharing with us today. And then next week's podcast will be. T- I just got done with that uh, interview today, and it's again, we're talking about what to deal with pain and suffering. So we're going to be exploring two weeks worth of this idea of picking up the pieces when it comes to pain and suffering. So, well, without further ado, you guys, uh, we are so excited to introduce Kevin and Sue Prince. Prince. Well, Kevin and Susan, welcome to the Talking Story podcast. It is so good to have you guys as guests. Oh, we're thrilled to be here. Hey, the first time I met you guys was in Barbados, of all places. It's where my mom, Kelsey's grandma, was serving uh, for six months with you guys as a short-term missionary helper. Um, you guys were full-time missionaries there in uh, Barbados and Trinidad as well. But before we go there, and I want to hear that part of your story too, I want to hear a little bit about just Kevin and Susan Prince. I know you guys are coming up on 40 years of marriage, which is absolutely fantastic, especially this day and age. But tell us a little bit about how you met and how you fell in love. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I, do you want to start it? I'll let you go, Sue. Uh, how we met? Well, I was in college and came home a weekend and ended up going to our young adults meeting at church and I remember sitting next to her of all of all things and I didn't know who she was either but I said who's that <laughs> and she said oh that's Kevin that's my brother I'm like oh okay <laughs> right, that's that's where it started we met there yeah we had recently joined the church um I had grown up in the inner city and um my parents, for a number of reasons, moved to the suburbs where her family lived, and we ended up joining the same church, and yeah, we met at church, which I heard the other day on the news, only 6% of couples now have met each other in a church. Only 6%? So 94% meet somewhere else. Okay, so what was your, what was your first big date that you recall? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, this was a real telling thing because I did a lot of work with young boys, um, mainly growing up in the inner city. Um, many of them came from fatherless 
homes. So we worked with boys in the community, our church. And um, the first date I asked her on, and we still laugh about it, is because I asked her to go to a hockey game with um, these boys. I figured if she can survive this, she might be all right. (laughs) (laughs) And Sue, what were you thinking when you got invited to a hockey game is a date with a bunch of boys? I had never been to a hockey game, had no interest in it, but I did was interested in him. So I figured, well, <laughs> it'll, it'll be all right. The things you do for love. <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> okay. At some point in time, um, one of you feels called to the mission field. And at some point in time, one of you faced the other one and said, guess what? If we get married, you, you realize that your life will be a life of ministry. Uh, was that a shock? Was that like, oh, that's exciting? Or what? who, who talked first about that? And how did that set. Okay, let me tell my story first. <laughs> I love it. There's always two sides to every, like, when you have a couple on the podcast. So, yes, yeah, Sue, we can't wait to hear what you have to say. So, I'm uh, in my last year of nursing school, and it was the worst term I had had. Um, I was going to finish nursing school, and then we're getting married the next month. So, this is when Kevin says to me, What do you think of going into missions? And I was like, don't talk to me about that right now. Let's get married first. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't high on my list at that point at all. And, yeah, you tell the next part. Uh, and part of it is I had started my own construction company at that point, and it was in the midst of um, the Carter administration, and interest rates were so, so high that nobody was building houses. Mm-hmm. So I didn't pull out of work. And I thought, here, you know, we'd be great to go into missions, especially Africa. And we did go into Nigeria. But I have to admit, in hindsight, it wasn't because I loved the Lord so much. It's more that I loved adventure. And here for me was a total adventure move. And um, ended up moving there. We were there for six months. In Nigeria. In Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I remember the mission board that we worked with at that time. Made a comment, the mission director, he said, this is either going to make or break your marriage. Oh, wow. Because there's nothing. We had electric a couple hours a day is all we had just because the generator ran. After that, when the generator went out, it was dark. And um, there's no place to do anything outside. So we had to work through a lot of issues early in our marriage because there was no diversion. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't that excited about going um, so much. I had just, you know, graduated from school. And that summer, you know, the business was slow and all of that. But I was like, well, if we're going to do this thing, let's just get it over with. You know. <laughs> we'll get that six months in and done. Right. Yeah. And that's all I was looking at. And realistically, it wasn't good for me, not because it was so hard. I mean... It was hard because I didn't have a purpose. And, um, uh, yeah, just just being out of school, just being married, I didn't really, uh, you know, get into the domestic area as much. And, yeah, I just didn't have a, a real um, yeah. fulfilling purpose there other than just accompanying him there and um, being, yeah, wife of the builder. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Were you building things in, in Nigeria? Is that why you were over yeah. there? Was that the missions part of living in Africa? 
Yeah, they had really asked me and do a lot of different upgrades on their properties that they had buildings and stuff. They had mission compounds, so I did some building. Um, worked with the nationals in the area, and I just loved it. But I, I realized at the end of the six months that if we stayed, it would not be good for our marriage. And um, we ended up coming back, and I restarted my business. And, and that was totally God's timing because shortly after that, we found out that we couldn't have kids biologically. And uh, went through all of the adoption stuff, um, the prep for the adoptions. Infertility first. Infertility first, yeah. It was God's timing, really, on bringing us back home here. And, um, yeah, so that really opened up a whole nother chapter of our life coming out of that. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's... I didn't realize you guys dealt with infertility and I, so that's a lot to deal with in a first year of marriage, you know, to live abroad and trying to discover what marriage is all about. And Sue, you talked about not really having purpose and that can be really hard for when one spouse kind of has that purpose and the other one doesn't. And then to be hit hard with the news of infertility and did you guys end up adopting or where did, what did that look like for you? Yep. Uh, five times. We adopted our first um, little guy from Guatemala. We went to get him from Guatemala. We didn't know he was sick. They said he was premature, and he ended up living just three months, three and a half months. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Wow. We ended up bringing him back to the States here at three weeks old, and um, on the airplane ride back from Detroit into Grand Rapids, he had trouble breathing on the plane. Wow. um, the airplane did a thing I've never seen before. Um, it at, landed at, in Grand Rapids and stopped at the end of the runway. And the ambulance met us there. And we took Benji um, to the hospital right from there with all of our family and friends waiting in the airport, waiting for us to come in. And we never showed up. Yeah. And um, from there, um, we found out a lot of different health issues that Benji had. And he ended up dying with me on a Sunday morning on my parents' anniversary by myself. Sue was in church and um, was changing his clothes to get ready to go to my parents' house, and he stopped breathing, and I couldn't get him started again. Oh, you guys, what I did not tragedy. know that. tragedy. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then after then, uh, tell us about your child journey. Your So then the agency that we went through felt so bad they were like you know you can go through us again you know we'll we'll help you pay for it and all of that so we did um go through them again and started the adoption process started through Guatemala and um a year later then um they called us and said well would you consider a domestic adoption instead of Guatemala and we're like sure and so our um, Brian was born in Arizona, and um, he he came from Arizona when he was only two and a half weeks old. Oh, wow. So- <laughs> and then we ended up doing another adoption. We were going foreign again, and this agency in uh, North Dakota yeah. we were going through said, um, had all our paperwork overseas and then they call up one day and said we don't do domestic adoptions but we have a birth mom that came in would you consider a domestic letter look at your file and consider a domestic 
and we ended up getting Jason that way. Um, Alyssa was born in Florida, yeah. and Sean was born here in Grand Rapids. So we have four adult kids now. Sean, now the youngest, is 25. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that wow. Amazing. Just to hear from tragedy to such, you know, now just a beautiful family of four kids, so six in total. And obviously, were they part of your missionary experience in Barbados and Trinidad? They yeah. did. Sean was 18 months old when we moved to Barbados, so he learned how to walk on the, Bob, you would remember the Great House Steps yeah. of that plantation there. Well, yes, and, and I want you to tell everyone and remind me how you guys, okay, so Nigeria was your first mission experience for six months. Your next experience is Barbados and Trinidad. So how, how did that happen? Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I basically, both of us had basically said missions is done for us and all that. And I didn't do, we didn't do any missionary stuff outside of our local area. Um, but I went on a missions trip with our church and uh, down in Guatemala, I mean, El Salvador. And um, we were doing some building there. But on the weekend, we did some street evangelism. And um, we were in the middle of a group. And I was holding up a little girl so she could see the dramas being done better and stuff like that. And she got kind of sick of me. And I dropped her, set her down, and she ran. And then one of the leaders of our group handed me a little baby. And that baby looked just like Benji. And all those emotions started coming back. And I just stood in the back and um, just started crying and I heard an audible voice from God the first time and only time I've heard an audible voice from him. And audible, said, not inaudible. You heard an audible voice. An audible voice. Okay. And, and he said, um, he's with me, but I need you to tell the kids. Hmm. Wow. I, I didn't tell anybody. I thought, hey, I got to process this one myself. So about three days later, we had gone back up to working at the camp. And about three days later, we're ready to leave. And it's about 3 a.m. in the morning. We're all loading on the bus to go to the airport, and we're just about ready to pull out. And here comes a car pulling up into the compound and um, pulls right in front of the bus. And the guy gets out, and it's the director of the ministry who was not living in that city. And so we had never seen him, but he had picked us up at the airport. But he pulled in front of the bus, and he walks up the steps, and he points at me. And he said, um, I need to talk to you. And so I got off the bus. Everybody else is still in the bus, not knowing what's going on. And he said, um, I had a dream about you during the night. And um, God woke me up and said, I needed to come and offer you a job. I have chicken skin. Whoa, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I kind of thanked him and <laughs> got back on the bus and flew home, you know, came home thinking there is no way in God's green earth that Sue wants to go back in mission. Uh-huh. And, um, and he told you what the job was when he says, and I want to offer you a job. He said, and my job is that you will go to be missionaries in Barbados and I will help support you. No, no, no. <laughs> this was, he was offering us a job to work, um, to start a discipleship program in the barrios in El Salvador. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, 
So we ended up, I ended up coming home, landed in Kent County Airport, and Sue picked me up. And we're going home, and I didn't wait a long time. <laughs> On the way home, I said, guess what? They offered me a job. And I'll let you say what your answer was. <laughs> well, um, while he was gone, I, no, it, actually it was, um, that was in the fall that he went. But that spring, I just felt like that God was saying to me, prepare yourself and the kids for a change. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. But um, when he went on the trip, I'm like, okay, Lord, is this what it's about? And so I was praying. I had the brochure, you know, from where he was going in the bathroom. I remember that. Um, and so every day I was like praying, okay, Lord, if this is it, then I, I prayed, if this is it, then offer him a job. So I would know. So I wasn't totally surprised. <laughs> so that's how we got called into missions. And it took us about a year to transition my business out and, um, Ended up through a lot of things not going with that mission agency, but ended up going with YWAM in Barbados where we met you, Bob. Yes, and thank you once again for the invitation to come out and speak to such wonderful people about media discernment. I mean, me, the power of media is all over the world. So whether it's in Barbados or the darkest parts of Africa or here in the U.S., it's, it's, it's amazing how much of it influences our life. Thank you, guys. I'll never forget that. That, that was pos so fantastic. But here, continuing on with the story, obviously serving Christ is no guarantee of a trial-free life. I mean, Benji alone says that. But while you were serving in Barbados and Trinidad, you guys faced another super big trial uh, involving violence. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we, we served in Barbados from 96 to 2000. And then in 2000, we moved our family to Trinidad and Tobago and started the Youth with a Mission ministry there. Uh, ended up buying a property, a bush, it was just all vacant land and ended up developing a whole, a whole facility geared specifically to children and youth. We had a ropes challenge course. We were running discipleship training schools at that point, sending Trinidadians and other Caribbean workers um, back through their ancestral lines of going back to Africa and India. Wow. Well, there. Um, but in 2006, April 30, 2006, we came back home from church on the Sunday afternoon and um, pulled onto our campus. And coming off the main road back into where the housing area was, was probably about a half a mile. And ended up pulling in and dropped off our youngest son, Sean. We just had the two kids with us on that day. I dropped him off at the front gate and then pulled up about 300 feet alongside of our house. And as we pulled up alongside, it was Sue and I and Alyssa, our daughter, um, in the car at that time. I got out and went to the back and started lifting up the, the back hatch of the van, and four masked gunmen came out of the bush. Oh, my mm. goodness. The first one came up to me at the back, and he said, give me your keys and your money. And at that time, we were like one number one in the world in kidnappings and we we're at almost a murder and a half a day so very violent and i lifted pulled the tailgate down and threw the keys underneath the van and i said i, I don't have any money 
and he had a machete or a cutlass, we called it there, um, and he chopped me on the shoulder and I dropped down. And I got up from there and I ran to the front of the house about 50 feet away, hoping I would draw all four of them with me and that Sue and Alyssa would be able to get out and go in the side door. But just one of them went, followed me. And um, as we got to the front of the house, one of our dogs came at him and started to bark at him. And he shot at the dog and missed. And then he was about 10 feet away from me. And he shot me and the bullet went in my neck and came out my back and I dropped to the ground. And our Sean, who had, we had dropped off at the gate, had heard all the commotion and he had run up at that time. And Sean was what, 10, I think? 10 or 11 years old at that time. And as he seen them shoot me, the guy shot twice at him and missed. Wow, mm. oh my goodness. The other three gunmen had stayed at the van and were smashing all the windows to get at Sue. And Alyssa had climbed in the front seat with Sue, and as they got frustrated, they ended up um, shooting Sue through the windshield. And luckily, Sue, you know, Alyssa pulled you over to the side, and the bullet went through your through her hip, through a bone, and stopped at the spinal cord, but didn't enter. And then the guys ran off. Hmm. Oh my gosh! What trauma, you guys. And, and how, how'd you guys get to the hospital? <laughs> um, we, we didn't know at, at that point, we didn't know if these guys were still around and what they was going to do. But one of our staff pulled up alongside, um, had heard all the commotion and came up. Everybody's running up to see what's going on. And um, they put us in a, one of their base vehicles, which was a, a pickup truck with a seat in the back. And then the back tray was just empty. And we threw all of the kids of the ministry in the back tray because we don't know if these guys are still there or not. And right. I'm sitting in the front seat, and Sue was in the seat in back of me with Alyssa, and she was holding my neck with her hands so I didn't bleed to death. And from there, we took off and drove to the, to the hospital at that yeah. point. There's no ambulance really to get to us, and we had to get there quickly. So we're going down the road. I remember the, the car horn, the truck horn ended up going out after a while because we're blowing it so hard to get there and ended up getting all the way to the hospital. And I, I remember one spot specifically on the curve. I can still picture that one there. But at that point, I remember um, thinking I was going to die, I feel myself fading away. And I remember saying, God, I don't let me die. I've got too much to live for. And I can hear my daughter, 13 years old, in the back seat, praying, God, don't let my daddy die. Mm. Mm. Since 2006, over 150 women have escaped exploitation to be a part of Starfish Project. Each one of them is now developing a life-changing career in everything from sourcing to photography. Some have even gone on to run their own businesses. They, Starfish Project, invest 100% of your purchases into their social mission, which is to restore hope to exploited women and girls. Ladies and gents, yes, I said gents because, guys, they have a really cool leather bracelet. Or maybe you are a guy listening and maybe you have a lady in your life. I mean, you could totally stoke her on a beautiful piece of jewelry that has a powerful give back. Starfish Project is where literally 75% of my jewelry comes from. 
In fact, it is one of our favorite brands at Moy Moy Market. And don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. I love every single piece that we bring into Moy Moy Market. We are offering free shipping on order of $50 or more. To learn more about Starfish Project, you can listen to episode 13 on this podcast, which, if you don't know, is called The Talking Story Podcast. And don't forget to share it with a friend. And remember... By purchasing a beautiful piece of jewelry from Moy Moy Market or Starfish Project, you are truly changing someone's life. And we are so thankful that you walk this planet. Thanks for being you. And remember to go check out moimoymarket.com, spelled M-O-I-M-O-I market.com. That's right, moimoymarket.com, which is a one-stop shop for all your products of purpose. So I'm curious, you guys, you have, you know, trial, you lose, you know, Benji, and then you go through this where here you are doing the work of Jesus Christ and you're, you almost lose your family. You almost lose your lives. Was there ever a time that you were tempted to throw in the towel with your walk with Christ and just say, this isn't worth it. This is too hard. Like, what was that like for you? Because that's a, those are trials. That's crazy. I guess not at that time so much for me, at least it was more like just surviving, um, surviving and doing everything we could to get better, you know? Um, uh, yeah, both of us were pretty well <laughs> banged up, you know, like we needed time to get healed and all of that. Um, I had had surgery to take the bullet out. Um, yeah. So at that time, I think it was just surviving and knowing we needed to just get better because we had staff and we had our family there and stuff like that. So, no, I guess at that time it didn't, that wasn't one of the thoughts. It was like, just get better. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. that was for you. But for yeah. me, I went through a, a pretty dark time. Uh, we did not leave Trinidad. In fact, um, I, I walked out of the hospital three days to the hour of being shot. And um, just an incredible testimony. God opened up a lot of doors to the prime minister's office, favoring the government. And God started moving a lot of things. But for a year and a half, my arm hung at my side. I couldn't use it. It mm. severed off the nerves in my arm. But I remember going through a very hard time for me. I I, I, and this is not a very good theological statement, but I had to forgive God. Yeah, um, yeah we I, understand. That makes sense. It was like, God, you, you're all powerful. You could have protected all of this and you could have stopped that. And for about a year, Sean, our youngest, never um, made it through the night in his own bedroom without coming into our room and falling asleep on the floor or on a mat there. It was just so much of that. And I became very angry at God. Um, but God ended up pulling me gradually. I remember three weeks after being shot, I dropped off some team members at a team challenge ministry on a different part of the island. And as I was coming down, I stopped alongside the road and um, a guy wanted me to give him some money. And I said, no, you don't need any money. And, and I got back in the van and turned the key on. And I looked up and there he was in front of the van with a gun pointed at me through the windshield. 
again. <laughs> He's like, here we yeah. go again. <laughs> and, and I I remember saying, I looked at him and I said, nah, this ain't going to happen again. And I turned the key on and I drove at him and he jumped off to the side. I got about a half a mile down the road and I had to pull off the side. I was shaking so bad. Hmm. But I remember God used all those different kinds of things to gradually pull my trust back in him that he could take care of me. And, um, yeah, he had a, I, I had to start studying his character like I never did before. I, I, are you really who you say you are? And I remember I, I read Psalm 91 every single day for a whole year. I, and I didn't read it quietly because it didn't, it wouldn't impact me. I, I had to read it out loud. And for every single, for every day, I, I had to read Psalm 91 out loud in order to just kind of make it through. And a thousand may fall at your side, but it won't come near you. But you must have said, but wait a minute, it did come near me. Yeah. Yeah. I went through a lot of that. There's is underneath your wings and under the shadow. And I realized that in order to stay in the shadow of God, um, I had to move. I don't know if you're, if you're standing, Bob, if I'm standing in your shadow, in order for me to stand in it, the sun moves. So mm-hmm. I got to keep moving. You don't have to move, but I got to keep moving to stay in that shadow. And God started teaching me gradually that in order for you to, for me to stay in that shadow, I have to keep moving and I have to keep adjusting and I have to keep walking in that. Wow, you guys, there, there is just so much to your testimony. And yet this podcast time is getting away from us. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat, even though I've heard a lot of it. I'm hearing a whole bunch of details that I've never heard before. Um, but let's transition a whole bunch of years now to the present. And Tell us about what you guys are involved in currently. As I understand it, you guys have a conference center for leaders in Michigan. Um, tell us a little bit about that and 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 how that's going. Mm. Yeah, we um, came back in 2011 and handed over the ministry in Trinidad and pioneered a, a youth with a mission ministry here in Grand Rapids area, um, focused in on missionary care and wellness. Um, Part of our story that you did hear is that the year after we were shot, Sue had cancer the next year and she had cancer the year again after that. So near cancer and cancer the next two years. And so we walked through those areas as well, but we realized when we came back that we needed somebody to help us walk through that understood missions and um, especially understood family dynamics of all of that because our kids were struggling. And um, we found some places, though there's very few places that really focus in on missionaries and missionary families in debriefing. And God has given us a real heart um, for debriefing and helping missionaries and their families walk through from one season to the next. Some of it involves trauma. Some of it involves transition. Some of it is transitioning to another field. And some of it is just transitioning back to their passport country, which has all new huge dynamics. Mm-hmm. So we started a ministry here in Michigan called Excelling Leaders. 
and it is totally focused in on missionary and missionary care and we do debriefing but we are um yeah our vision statement is to be a ministry of encouraging and equipping missionaries and their families so they can be effective and resilient oh, so like we run nine-day debriefing for missionaries and their kids and uh, we walk through four and a half days of intense debrief and then we transition into four and a half day of wellness how, how do you how do you walk into out of this next step stage healthy and into your next season um, you, had, you said that we have a conference center. We had made an offer on a property back in September that we thought we were going to get. And in the middle of January, that deal fell through. And we are back to looking for a property, but we are still running missionary debriefs. We're doing them on a mobile basis now. So we'll be running another one in April, June, August and then October, and right now it looks like both of, all four of those will be in the Michigan area. Um, but yeah, that's what we focus in on. Really using our story of walking through what it is, though they don't know our story when they're coming in. Mm -hmm. They come for their story, not ours. Wow, Kevin and Sue, that's just incredible. What a beautiful testimony of God taking the trauma, the bad, the the hard times that you guys have been through, and now you're using that to help others, and that you can walk alongside other families or and you know single missionaries, couples, and just say, hey, you know, let's let us help you, you know, and that they can um, learn from you guys, from your trials, your tribulations, and I just think that is what picking up the pieces is all about is understanding that even though bad things can happen to us we aren't promised that this life is going to be amazing and beautiful and easy but that God really does allow us to use those struggles to to glorify him to help others so thank you for sharing that for those that would like to learn more about what you guys are doing in in Michigan, do you have a website or an email that you could leave with the listener that they could contact you directly? Yep. With our webpage is excellingleaders.org. And um, if they want, they can reach me at Kevin at excellingleaders.org. Makes it pretty easy that way. <laughs> that is easy. <laughs> More so on my side, then I can remember who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, this has been a real treat, and I know it's going to be a real treat for our listeners. And I can't hesitate because I just, I, I, so many questions come to mind, and I'm having to leave so many by the wayside just because of time. But this one I have to ask uh, for potential missionaries out there listening to the podcast or potential. It just want to serve somehow. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for those who are just getting started? The young Kevin and Sue Prince w that um, na the, you wish you would have known then what you know now. What advice, and I want both of you to tackle it briefly, just to say what advice would you give people who say, I want to serve God some way? Um, what would you say? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's not easy, but God, yeah, I think God grows us, matures us, um, gives us grace, gives us all that we need, you know, along the way, and also many more blessings and than we could have expected or imagined. Um, so, 
you know, in spite of the trials, I think the that God is being with us and gives us more than we need. I mean, we are. So that, um, and the other thing I would say is it is hard and it's okay to um, take care of yourself. Mm, yes. I had a hard time uh, realizing, looking back, I should have done better um, taking care of myself. So. Yeah. I think, Blessing, the neat blessing about it is um, we've got family all over the world. We've, we've got one guy the other day, he said, this is my mom and dad, and he's living in Belize. So mm-hmm. we've, got, we've got kids all over the world um, because of that. But the one thing that stands out to me so much is use your passions and your talents. Um, I, I, re- I thought in the very beginning, I'm, I'm a builder. What can a carpenter do? But God can use any skill you got and wants to use any skill you got in, in reaching others, whether that's locally here and for especially in foreign missions. There is such a need for builders, mechanics, all of them. And God uses every aspect of our lives and, and our talents to share and shine part of his character. And I guess that's what I would encourage. Don't You don't have to have all these years of Bible school, though they're, they're helpful. Um, but use what God's given you and the passion you've got to share who he is. Thank you, guys. Well, we are going to wrap it up and, and just say once again, thank you. And I want both of you to know that I don't believe a day goes by that I don't pray for you guys by name. Um, or in 365 days a year, 360, you know, you're prayed for and have been for years and years. And uh, I love you guys. I appreciate what you do. I thank you for what you do. I thank you for your faithfulness. And, uh, and, and until we see each other again sometime, uh, blessings to you guys in every way. Yeah. Thanks, thank Bob you. and Kelsey. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I was on the verge of tears once again, Dad. Um, My goodness, the power of testimony. That's what I love about this Talking Story podcast is we're not just hearing just made up stories. Like these are stories that people have experienced in real life. And it blows me away how humans can handle such great loss. But like you and like Kevin and Sue, that loss can bring them closer to Jesus. And And you don't sense when you meet these folks that they dwell in the loss part. I mean, you have to almost, you know, twist their arm to have them recall it so that we can know what they've been through. But they'd much prefer to uh, just, you know, think about all that the Lord is doing for them uh, in the current and present situation, forgetting those things that were so tough. And, uh, and that, that's just amazing. And that's just the kind of, kind of thing that I want to do better and better as uh, life marches on. 
I really appreciated Kevin sh- being real with us about how after the, the shooting and the trauma that him and his family experienced, that he really wrestled with God. And um, it's not easy to always admit that. Sometimes we feel like, especially as Christians, we have to sugarcoat it. Like, oh, we never have issues with God. Like, God's a perfect and amazing. But in reality, like, we do bring to the table in our relationship with God of why did this happen? Lord? Yeah, we said, had, to, we, had to forgive God, you know, well, who, who, who has to forgive God? But I know exactly what he meant. I do too. And I think it's really important as Christians and as a church that we are real and authentic, like Don and Donna taught us to be in their helping us develop story and using our story and testimony is mm. their ATV, authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability, that that is what... Um, Kevin did with us today, and he talks about going to Psalm 91. Yes, and he said he read it over and over and over again. So so I want to read that, and we're going to probably just close with this. Good. And for the listener who, if you are experiencing some trauma, some loss, a hard season in your life, I'm just going to read this through the message translation. I've been reading a lot of the Bible through the message, and it's almost like seeing the Bible through a new lens. Um, It may not be as accurate uh, in translation, but I think it takes takes the ideas and the thoughts and the original language and makes it just a bit easier for us to understand in modern day. Um, So here it is, Psalm 91. You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon, even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge. The high God your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care. If you'll only get to know and trust me, call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life, give you a long drink of salvation. And dad, I think the part that stood out to me and it seemed like it stood out to Kevin was the part and a message kind of clumps the verses up, but it's in, I think, verse 14, 15, 16. It said, um, if, you'll get, if you'll only get to know and trust me. And Kevin went on that journey of pressing into who is God? Who is God in this hard time? Who is God? And we're going to explore that next week in a different podcast of this idea of really getting to know, not just the Bible study, I can say it, 
you know, memorize the note cards, but really get to know who God is in our lives. Well, folks, thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story podcast. And if this really hits home to you, we encourage you to look at our show notes, which if you're looking listening on a podcast platform, just go back to the podcast and you'll click details. And that's those show notes that will have links to the people we talk to, as well as areas that you can connect with us and maybe give us your feedback or questions or thoughts. I feel like we're really hitting home on this series for a lot of people Uh, that things that we're talking about are really resonating with folks. And we just don't want it to go um, unnoticed and we don't want there to be loose ends. And so if you have questions or comments and concerns, um, again, check out those show notes and there'll be a link to where you can email us or direct message us and we can continue to have a conversation. Or maybe you spark some questions that we can bring to the podcast because you're not alone. Whatever you're struggling or wrestling with or have experienced, we want to know about and it could um, be something that we uh, explore a little further. So uh, thanks again for joining us you can tell this is in real time and someone just pulled up because i heard some gravel in the driveway so the dogs just started barking and that's just how it is on this podcast but have a great monday we'll see you next week aloha thanks for joining us today on the talking story podcast we hope you feel encouraged and inspired be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the talking story podcast your hosts bob and kelsey want to hear from you Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moi Moi Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.